Good morning. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. Again, it's John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. And the word of the Lord reads as follows. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, East Point Church. I don't know about you, but those are some wonderful truths to sing about and recite uh, this morning that we walk by faith and not by sight. I mean, in, in times like this, that is, that is a truth that should ground us because to walk by sight in these times doesn't sound very encouraging based upon what we see. But we are those Christians who walk by faith not by sight. And where does our help come from? <laughs> our help comes from the Lord. Where does your help come from this morning? If you're looking for help, if you need help, if you are hurting and struggling, trying to figure out how to make sense of this world and all that is going on, your help comes from the Lord. Remember that, brothers and sisters. Remember that every single minute, every single hour of every single day, our help comes from the Lord. If you are visiting, again, let me take time to welcome you. We're glad that you're here. If you have clicked on a line to our live stream, we are glad that you are here as well. Uh, we pray that you'd be strengthened by all that is done here this day. We want to uh, point people to Jesus at every moment that we, we can. So in song, in word, in deed, however we can do that, we, we want to be those that do it. Well, we are making our way through a series through the book or the gospel of John. And this morning we've come to John 1, 35 through 42. Let's uh, pray and ask the Lord for his help uh, as we dig into his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you have already done so much. You've allowed us to gather here as your people and to sing the songs of Zion, not just fluffy songs, superficial songs, but 
songs filled with rock-solid truth that can ground our hearts in your word, that remind us afresh of your wonderful promises. So, O oh Lord, we pray that you would continue to grant us faith to believe, to trust you. As we dig now into your word, we recognize that apart from Holy Spirit, we will not be able to understand these, these things are spiritually discerned. So we pray for Holy Spirit that he would illuminate the eyes of our hearts, grant to us eyes of faith to behold Christ, to see Jesus. Give us, give us minds to, to grasp and to understand. Change us. Make us new, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, sports teams typically refer to these uh, men as, uh, or, or, or women as, as role players. Role players. Role players are, are those who understand their place on the team. They have uh, a certain skill set that helps the team to have great success. Many of you might know the, those great Chicago Bulls teams, the dynasties that had at their helm Michael Jordan. Everybody knows that much of their success was due to Michael Jordan, but, but a great deal of their success was because uh, those Chicago Bulls teams had great role players. They understood their position on the team. Either they played defense or, or they rebounded or, or they were those who, who shot three-pointers. They understood their role. Much of their role was get the ball to MJ and get out the way, right? And that's why those teams had much, much success. In business and organizations, in, in your schooling, if you've ever been on a team, role players are extremely important to the success, to the health of an organization or, or a team. And so I thought a little bit about that this week. I wondered if you've thought about your role what your role is within the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not talking about what your role is within the church. I, I understand that the Lord gives various gifts by his grace to his people, and they are then meant to use those gifts to serve the church, and, and maybe there is a certain gift that you utilize within the church to fulfill uh, your service and your, your aspect as part of the body, but I want to know if you have understood or thought about your role within the kingdom of God. Let's say, say that Brothers and sisters, our role, our roles as believers in the kingdom of God is to point people to Jesus. That's what, that's what Paul actually says in 2 Corinthians 5. He says that we are ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors, those who ought to be pointing uh, people to Jesus. Isn't that the, isn't that the testimony that we have of, of John, of John the Baptist, 
John the Baptist knew what his role was, and, and he played his role well. John wasn't the main event. He was the, the pre-show, the undercard, the opening act, the entree. Whatever analogy helps you comprehend it best, just know John was setting the stage for Jesus. And so that theme continues with our, our text this morning. Sisters, I wonder if it's hit you like it has hit me over these last few messages as we've been looking at the testimony of John. But it has is, it is struck me that uh, uh, John the Baptist and his testimony, John is just completely countercultural in terms of how we understand our cultural climate. I mean, in our culture, we are infatuated with celebrity enamored by followers and likes, so much so that, that it affects our self-worth, they tell us. That people are actually struggling, teenagers particularly struggling, because they don't have as many followers on a certain social media platform as others do. The push in our culture is to, to get a platform Make a name for yourself and increase your tribe. But you know what? John was not interested in any of those things. Yes, yes, he had, he had many followers, but his goal, his goal wasn't to keep them. And even those who, who stuck around John, uh, he wasn't teaching and proclaiming his, himself. No, his, his goal was to send them on to, to follow another. I imagine Paul got his notable saying from John the Baptist, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what John's desire was. So countercultural to our times. I, I, I imagine if John lived during our time and had a, a website or a Twitter page, uh, the banner across his website would read, Behold the Lamb of God. His only, his only Twitter post would be, Behold the Lamb of God. How? How could I be sure of this? How could I be sure of this? Well, well, I can't, but, but from our text, it is clear to see that when John had the opportunity to gather a whole bunch of followers around him, he had one goal in mind. John's goal was to point people to Jesus. Look at verse verses 35 through 37 of our text. It reads, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. John, you see, had, had disciples, which, which was not uncommon in the ancient world. Prominent teachers had followers who desired to, to learn from these teachers regarding their philosoph philosophies of life and, and how uh, and what they, they taught and study what they taught. And, and so 
the day after John had identified Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, standing there on the banks of the Jordan River. Here he is hanging out with with two of his disciples. And Jesus walks by. And notice, notice, John doesn't say, say, hey, 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 brothers, hey, guys, look, 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 there's Jesus. John doesn't say that. No, he points to him, and just like the day before, he says, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, now, why would John not just call him Jesus? Did did he not know his his name? No, brothers and sisters, I think John is demonstrating an important point here. It is in line with, with what Pastor Tony preached last week. You can't separate the man from the mission. You can't separate the man from the mission, brothers and sisters. The Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This, this you do understand, has implications for evangelism and our proclamation of Jesus. When you and I point people to Jesus, when we proclaim his name, we are, are not simply pointing them to someone named Jesus. We are pointing them to the Lamb of God. The one, the one God the Father sent to take away the sin of the the world. John wasn't pointing to a man named Jesus. Listen, listen, there were were plenty of other men in the ancient world named Jesus walking around Jerusalem. But there was only one who was the Lamb of God. God, only one who could take away sin. There was only one Jesus who could do that. Brothers and sisters, we can point people and others to a lot of different men and women, but there is only one, one who has the power to cleanse men and women. Only one, only one has the power to save you from the wrath of God due to you because of your sin. There's only one substitute that will satisfy, and that is Jesus. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Acts 4.12 tells us this Jesus, and, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. Jesus, the Lamb of God. It is the mission of the man, you understand, that makes the difference. You're not telling anybody anything. You are are not giving them a hope if if you do not point out the mission of Jesus. You you can't tell people to follow Jesus simply because he's a a good teacher or because he's he's a prophet. You have to tell them and understand that Jesus is master and savior. 
can't separate the man from the mission. And, and, and John understood this. And so that's, he's there with his disciples. He doesn't call. He sees Jesus walking by. He doesn't say Jesus, but he says and points to them, they're the, the Lamb of God. So the disciples of John, when, when they heard him say this, did what John hoped they would do. They followed Jesus. There was no, there was no wait, 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 wait. Don't go, don't go yet. Or, or where are you going? Are you, going to, are you going to come back to me? It was no asking if they, were, if they were coming back to be his followers. John knew the goal wasn't for people to be disciples, disciples and followers of him. He wanted them to follow Jesus. That was his goal. Point people to Jesus. Become a, a disciple of, of Jesus. Listen, listen, I hope you are not enamored or getting enamored with East Point Church. We are, are not seeking to create disciples of East Point Church. We're not seeking to create disciples of, of Pastor Tony. We exist to point people to Christ. That's why we exist. We want you to be followers of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God. In fact, this is what all, all true disciples of Jesus, this is what they seek to do. You remember Peter in Acts 3 when he heals the lame beggar at the, the gate, beautiful? And the, the people begin to, to marvel at what Peter has done as they see this lame beggar who has been lame from birth healed by the power that Peter proclaims in Jesus' name at the gate beautiful. As they begin to marvel at this, Peter steps back and he says, he says in, 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 in chapter 2, I mean, excuse, verse 2, 12, uh, verse 12, and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when we had decided to release him. It was in Jesus' name. Peter desired to point them to Jesus. Or Paul and Barnabas in Acts 14, when they heal a man, they, they think it's Zeus and, and Hermes that, that did this, and they begin to talk, talk about Paul and Barnabas in this terms. And, and, and Paul says in Acts 14 and 15, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. We, we desire to deflect all the attention that people want to give to us and point them to Jesus. That's the desire when you 
have received the revelation of who Jesus is, you realize that he is the one that people need. He's the one that people need, not me. Don't follow me, follow Jesus. This is, John. this is what John is doing. Follow Jesus, behold the Lamb, follow him. So these two men, these two men begin to follow Jesus. And as they are following Jesus, Jesus stops and turns around and he, and he sees these men following him and he asks them a question. Jesus asks, what are you seeking? <laughs> what are you seeking? Now we can, we can easily take this question at face value. Jesus could be asking a simple and obvious question to these two men who are following, following him, just like perhaps we would have done if there were two men following us. What are you seeking? What do you want? Is there something that I can, can help you with? What is it? What is it that you want? But you and I, you and I both know Jesus' questions are never insignificant. They're never insignificant. They are always meant to penetrate the heart. Always. Always. So Jesus' question here is a piercing one. And if we think deeply about it, it is a question every human being needs to confront. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? The truth of the matter is the human heart is always, it is always seeking for something. Always. And that is because sin has caused us to be born into this world ignorant of our purpose. We are left wondering and searching for the meaning of life. People wondering, books being written, people going through interviews and trying to figure out what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? The human heart is constantly seeking to be filled. Constantly. The man or woman who plunges themselves into a career Finding their identity and value in their work is seeking for a purpose, and they assume the meaning of life will be found in what they do. Because our hearts are always searching. When, when you begin to follow Jesus, when others begin to follow Jesus, you have to ask the question. You have to confront the question, what am I seeking? You have to ask those who, who start and begin to follow Jesus, what, what are, are you seeking? Are you, are you seeking a guru who is going to help you answer life's most perplexing questions? Or are you seeking someone who will agree with you and prove your points to your opponents? Are you seeking a Jesus to agree with your political agenda and champion your cause? 
Are you seeking Jesus to be an add-on to your life, to give you some type of status or, or help you fit in with a specific group of people? Are you seeking a genie? Some, someone that is going to grant you your wishes how you want them and when you want them. Are you seeking for some emotional experience, some spiritual experience? Is that why you are seeking Jesus? What are you seeking? That is what you need to answer. That is what we need to ask people who begin to follow Jesus. Brothers and sisters, ask it of your heart this morning. Why did you come here today? What are you seeking? What? You clicked on the live stream this morning. What are you seeking? That's a question that confronts us all. Here's the, here's the matter. If you are seeking Jesus for any of those reasons, that I, that I mentioned, then you better keep walking. You, 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 no need to stop here. Jesus is not who you are seeking. Those are the reasons you're not seeking the Jesus of the scriptures. He's got nothing for you. Isn't this what happened to the, those who were following him in John chapter 6? right after Jesus had, had fed the 5,000, and, and they come to Jesus the next day looking for bread, and Jesus, Jesus doesn't give them bread. He says that they, they left them. They left. They went on because they weren't coming to Jesus for Jesus. They were seeking bread. But for these two men who were who engaged Jesus that day, they responded, they responded as those whose hearts had been softened and who knew that Jesus was the one their hearts longed for. They, they, they knew it, they knew it. They asked Jesus, they asked Jesus hey, 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 Jesus, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And Jesus invites them to come and see. These men wanted to spend time with Jesus. They, they wanted to ask him questions. They, they wanted to find out, is this the one that John has been telling us about? They wanted to know more. Listen, if you are seeking uh, Jesus for anything other than Jesus, your heart will not be satisfied. I can guarantee it. Your heart will not be satisfied. But, but if it is more of Jesus you are looking for, then you know what Jesus does? He invites you to come and to see. That's what he does. What are you seeking? Is it me you're seeking? Do you want to be with me? Then come and see, Jesus said. Come, come, and you will see. And Jesus' response is not simply, his response to that question was not simply that he wanted to show them where he was staying. Hey, I got this new flat in downtown Jerusalem. I want you to come and see, right? This is not, this is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus wanted to reveal himself to them. 
He was going to show them what, or better yet, who they were seeking. I saw somebody wearing a T-shirt the other day that said, that read, try Jesus, not me. <laughs> try Jesus, not me. Well, I love the sentiment. Jesus was not inviting those men that day to try him. He was not inviting them to try him out, like, come see if this is really what you're looking for. He was inviting them into a relationship that was going to change their life. When Jesus invites men and women to come and to see him, he desires to show them and reveal to them who he is. The idea is that when you go and see Jesus, he is going to open up your blind eyes and cause you to see something more glorious, more beautiful, more satisfying than your eyes have ever beheld. That's what your heart longs for. He is going to fill that desire, that hole that you've been seeking to fill with other things. He opens up their, their eyes to see. So when you see Jesus, and once you see him, your search for purpose, your search for the meaning of life, fulfillment, salvation, it, it, it all, that, that search is, is ceased. It, it no longer needs to take place. All your searching can end. That is what happened to these two disciples who accompanied Jesus to where he was staying. Their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. And that was a revelation. And that was a revelation they could not keep to themselves. They saw Jesus and they're like, I, can, I cannot keep this to myself. We, we learned that one of the men who followed Jesus that day was Andrew. And and, and he couldn't hold the news in. And he had to go and tell somebody. And so he went and he found his brother Simon. And he says, Simon, I got to tell you something. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is how you know if you believe the gospel is really good news. You begin to share it. You begin to tell others uh, you, you know about it. Because that's what Andrew does. And what he does is he declares, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. Andrew is declaring that what John the Baptist had been telling them and teaching them and, and, and showing them what he had been saying all along was correct. Jesus was the long prophesied anointed one, anointed son of God. He was, he was here. He was the one God was sending to save his people. He's here. God. When, <laughs> when Andrew goes to Simon and says, I found the Messiah, he is saying that God kept his promise. The promised one, the promised one is here. 
Andrew needed to tell somebody. And this is the response of those who come and see Jesus, is it not? This is the response. They leave and tell others. They tell others what they saw. <laughs> the, the woman at the well will we'll later learn in, in John 4, right? She met Jesus at the well, and she, she went home and told everybody, you got to come and see this man who, who told me everything about me. We see this in the, 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 the demoniac in, in, in Mark chapter 5 and verse 19 and 20. After Jesus heals him, the, the man wants to, to go and spend time with Jesus, and, and, and Jesus would not permit him. And it says in verse 19, go, Jesus tells him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. He tells him to go and tell Oh, perhaps this is your story. Maybe somebody, a friend, a family member has come and told you about Jesus, about the Messiah whom they found, and they told you to come and see. Maybe you've done it in the lives of others, where your eyes have been opened up to the wonderful truths of the gospel, and you've seen Jesus more glorious than anything, and you had to tell somebody, and you ran, and you grabbed your sister, you, you grabbed your brother, you, you told your parents, you told your cousins, you had to tell somebody what Jesus had done. You see, the gospel message is something to be shared. It's something to be shared. Jesus is meant to be proclaimed. He wants you to tell others about him. Family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, the, the Messiah came into the world is news. Not just some people need to hear, but that's news everyone needs to hear. So don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep the good news to yourself. Tell others about Jesus and all that he has done. Perhaps you're listening and you say, well, well, I know, I know that I'm supposed to share. This is, I understand that this is one of the, the things that I'm called to do. I'm a, an ambassador. I know my role, but I don't know how to play my role. What, what are the steps I, I should take? Well, I think Andrew can help us this morning. Notice what Andrew does. Andrew's first step is that he, he spends time with Jesus. He spent time asking Jesus questions. Listen, you can't share what you yourself don't know. <laughs> Andrew spent time with Jesus. He didn't learn everything about Jesus, but he learned enough to know that Jesus was no ordinary man. He was the eternal son of God and had been sent into the world to save. He was the Messiah. Oh, brothers and sisters, you don't have to know everything uh, about Jesus, but you have to know who he is and what he has been sent to do. So spend time with him and, and ask him. This is what happened with the blind man in John 9, which we'll, again, we'll get to later on. Right? The, Jesus, Jesus healed him, and, and they come and ask him, who healed him? He says, I, 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 I don't know. I was, all I know is that I was once blind, but now I see Jesus had changed his life, and he knew that he was able to. Andrew, Andrew spent time with Jesus. Then we see Andrew go to a family member. He went to a family member. Start with one of your family members. Andrew went to his brother Simon and told him, 
And we will continue to see that pattern as Jesus continues to call his disciples. They go to family members. Then we see it in the book of Acts, the the Philippian jailer and and Lydia in Acts 16. Their eyes are open to Jesus, and they take and go back to their families, and their families are pointed to Jesus. Maybe there's a family member that you've yet to share the gospel with. Start there. And maybe if it's not a family member, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a, it's a neighbor. Go and share and tell them about Jesus. This is, this is the model that we see in Acts 1 and 8. Jesus tells his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. Jerusalem, there it is, close to home, and and then uh, uh, in Judea, just outside of Jerusalem, and then Samaria, next city over, and then uh, the uttermost parts. There There is a circle, circles, concentric circles, where you begin to share the message of Jesus. Start home neighbors, co-workers, and maybe the Lord will call you to the othermost parts. Andrew, Andrew spent time with Jesus. He told his family members. And then what Andrew does next is perhaps the most important step in the whole process. You take them to Jesus. Isn't that, what, isn't that what Andrew did with his brother Simon? It says in verse 42 that he brought Simon to Jesus. This is such an important step, brothers and sisters, because one of the hindrances of evangelism is thinking that you are responsible for changing the individual. It's one of the hindrances. You think that is your responsibility to change them or, or that if they reject the news that, they, that you share with them, that they are rejecting you. Brothers and sisters, when you take people to Jesus and they reject him, they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting him. That is what Jesus told the 72 he sent out to witness about him in Luke 10 and 16. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. They're not rejecting you. Jesus is the one who causes the offense. He is the aroma of life to life for some and of death to death for for others. Remember, you're just a vessel, just a messenger to to be commissioned. We are ambassadors of Christ telling people be reconciled to God. That's our role. And it is Jesus who changes them. Jesus is, is the one who does the work. He is the one who makes beauty from ashes. He takes sinful, unrepented men and women and makes them righteous, obedient saints. Isn't that what he did and is doing with, with you? You might not be what you are going to be, but you are certainly not what you used to be. That is the promise of Jesus. He makes you what you are supposed to be. 
And this is never more clearly demonstrated that, than when Jesus meets Simon. Verse 1, verse uh, 42 of chapter 1. He brought him to Jesus, speaking of Simon. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Oh, this is beautiful, brothers and sisters. This is how we are introduced to the apostle Peter. When Jesus first meets Peter, he calls him by his given name, or some of us might say he, got, he gets called by his government name, right? He was born Simon Barjona. Simon Barjona, or Simon, son of John. But Jesus says, Simon, I know who you are, but I am going to call you what you are going to be. Your name is Cephas, or Peter, which means rock. Now, now, if you know anything about Peter throughout the gospel, he, he is nowhere close to living up to this name, Peter. He is more water than Peter. He is wishy-washy throughout the gospels. But Peter walked with Jesus, and Jesus changed Peter into who he called him to be. And Peter pens those letters, the Peter who pens those letters to the, to the elect exiles of the dispersion, those two letters that Peter pens, that is Peter living out the name the Lord had given him. This is what the Lord does, brothers and sisters. He takes you as you are, and he makes you what you are supposed to be. When he meets you, when he opens up your, your eyes, when he welcomes you into his family, he calls you saint. But you know yourself to be a sinner. You know yourself to be a sinner, but guess what? Be encouraged, brother and sister. Jesus makes you who you are supposed to be. This is, this is, this is why we point people to Jesus. Because he is the only one that can make sinners into saints. That's what he did with me. Is that not what he did with you? Make sinners into saints. So here we are, brothers and sisters. Let's, 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 let's play our role. We know our role. We're role players. Let's play our role and let's play it well. Let's tell people about Jesus Take them to him and watch him make sinners into saints. Let's pray.